With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Thank <laughs> you. 
David earlier today, and we were talking about things. It's funny that David and Larissa both have part of the message uh, this morning. There's, um, um, let me get talked to you on the right speaker right now, and uh, if it's not on correctly, let me know. And so, again, 
Father, your word is preeminent, and I honor you. And thank you for the honor of bringing forth your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, during the dark time, you followed with your judges to bring forth the word of the Lord. Father, thank you. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Oh, you put me on that. All right. Let's go on our, to our Bibles. Oh, you need to bring the volume down so it's come loud. Okay. We're talking about the seasons, and, and we're going to get into some stuff in, in on Tuesday. We're going to begin to, um, I'm going to call it basic training. And, and, you know, the basic training starts with the cross for the believer. And um, a lot of times the cross isn't preached anymore. And one of the reasons, I'm going to tell you why, um, Cross isn't preached anymore is because a lot of the how are you gonna put it? Baby boomers are known as the greatest generation that ever lived. And the reason they call it the greatest generation is because through the baby boomers, uh we saw some of the we saw most of the prosperity that brought this nation to where it was, technology, uh, finance, I mean it, had the heart to give. We saw some of the greatest revivals that ever have been. But the baby boomers have become soft because they got old. And now they want ease. And the following generations suffered. They followed. And it's not that they weren't great. I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm quoting other people. This isn't my opinion. These are people who study uh, trends and study sociological circles and tell you what they do. We come fast forward to the millennials, and for the first time since the 50s and 60s, we are seeing evidence of a generation gap. The sad part is, it's not that we don't have anything in common, it's that the, gap, the biggest gap that there is, is in knowing God. The devil's capitalizing on it because, see, can I tell you something? One of the things that happens is in the absence of in the absence of believers taking the land in a particular area, witchcraft moves in. There's only two forces that govern this world. That's God and Satan. And a lot of people say, I don't believe in a personal devil. That's good. Here's evidence that there really is a devil. Because he's fooled you. <laughs> And because most of the, this, many in these generations that followed want proof of everything. I want proof. Well, there's a miracle. Well, the devil did, you know, you have, you have denominations that say that the devil does miracles just to fool people because God doesn't heal. That doesn't make sense. Um, because all over the Bible, God is a God who heals us, and, you know, all through Scripture. God doesn't use sickness and disease to teach us anything. There's nowhere in Scripture that shows you that God uses sickness and disease to teach us. Jesus, Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus came and said he wants to present the Father to us. And nowhere do you see Jesus say, cancer, so you learn your lesson. You know, we, we don't see that kind of stuff. And we've gotten away from 
the simple teachings of understanding. We've gotten so wrapped up in understanding the, the biggest wars in Christianity. You know, the Bible tells us that it's by his, um, our love one to another that the world will know we're his disciples. But you see so much infighting. Well, the Bible doesn't teach this, and the Bible doesn't teach that, and the Bible, you know, and they're not born again. How can you, how can anyone out there say that they're not saved? Because you weren't. You know what? In the United States, we have the weakest church, and I'm talking about the weakest body of Christ than anywhere else in the world. And I'm talking about at large. I'm not talking about little pockets where God shows up. I'm talking about in the United States because what happens is that we acquiesce to comfort and there's no sacrifice. We'd rather have air-conditioned buildings, soft views, while the rest of the world wants God so bad that they'll sit on a stump all day long. It'll rain. They don't care about shelter because they want God. And people might say, well, we don't live in that kind of arena. True. But the greater responsibility is on us because in our comfort, we ought to be stronger. In our prosperity, we ought to do more. Can I tell you something? What I'm waiting to see in the body at large in the United States? Sell the Bentley, buy a Chevy, and put the money into the kingdom. And I'm not talking about socialism. What I am talking about is sacrifice. And watch God multiply and put three Bentleys in your garage. You follow what I'm saying? If you trust him that much, we serve an extravagant God. You notice that the temple that was built during Solomon's time, God wasn't tripping because it had stars and, 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 and Wiccan symbols and all that other stuff. He just looked at man. The Bible says that he used to wink. Man. Let me get in there and move in because they built it for me. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? He said Solomon had a, over a thousand wives. You know, he didn't trip over that either. They were heathens. He still moved in. Are you, are, you, are you understanding what I'm saying? The church in the United States would rather point at all the bad that's going on and isolate. We are not the army and the warriors that God has determined we should be. Make no mistake, God is building an army. In Ezekiel, you begin to see where he saw the valley of dry bones. You notice he said, didn't say, let us build a community. Make it large and prosperous. Put three supermarkets in there, some libraries and some schools. Did he say that? Uh, let, me say again. let me ask you again. Did he say that? He didn't say that. He said, shall these bones live? He answered the smartest answer that anybody can give God is, thou knowest. I love the rendition, thou knowest. And little by little, those bones assembled. Could you imagine standing there in the valley of dry bones. And why, were, why is it significant that they were dry? They had nothing. There was no flesh, no muscle, no sinew. And he looked at this valley of dry bones. Have you ever seen National Geographic where they come into this place where they just have 
stacks and stacks of bones. There's even places where they build temples made out of the bones and the skulls and everything else. You walk in, you see them when the camera people walk in, it's kind of eerie. And will those live? Not science fiction movie kind of stuff where you see the bone click clack, you know. I don't know why everybody runs. It's just bones. You hit it with a bat and they scatter, you know. But I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying? We, we, we think about these things, but he, he saw the muscle and everything come back to those bones. And then guess what God told him? A vast and mighty army. Isn't that wild? He built an army. Manny, come here real quick. And I've been reading and studying some stats concerning the church at large. And God is, I look in here on a Tuesday evening. And churches make, pastors and leaders always make jokes about their Wednesday nights or their midweek services, how, you know, it's all hands on deck and it's few. And that's fine. And, you know, and few is relative because when I go to the Rock and San Bernardino, their few is way different than our few. You understand what I'm saying? They can, they can fill up the floor and there's 1,000 people. But the place holds 2,500. So when, you know, when they say, well, it's kind of lean in here, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I would like your lean. But, but you understand what I'm saying? I'm going, okay. And again, if there was one person in here, I would still teach like there were 1,000. But I'm sharing these things because, see, the, the Bible says that 1,000 years with the Lord is as a day. And a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Well, we're, all the theologians and all the mathematicians that kind of measure where we're at, on the worldly side, they say that we're a few minutes before midnight. Midnight means that this whole thing just folds over and starts over or something. You know, they, they've got many ideas. And the scriptural uh, theologians say that we are in the midst of the night. Why is it the midst of the night? Because daytime brings about a new day. What is, why is that significant? Because we're, at the, we're in the end of the, thousand, of the thousand years that will take us into seven, which is a day of rest. So we're, in, we're towards the end. They've been saying this since about the 1840s, that we're coming into the night. I mean, I understand that in the midst of all the great things that are going on, we're living in some dark times. Things don't affect us. Like, you know, we, we're not living quite like Israel is, where they still have fun, go to discos, do all the different things they do, work and everything, but 250 bombs are being sent into their nation a day. And we help them through technology take most of those out before they hit them. And so every day they live with anticipation of what may happen. And so they look at everybody's backpacks. They look to see if everyone is there. But they're still having fun. They're living life. In this country, we still haven't gotten to that place. We don't worry about ISIS the way that they worry about ISIS in those nations in the Middle East. But we do live in some dark times, don't we? 
The Bible tells us in Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for the light has come. It talks about that the glory of the Lord will shine. But prior to that, it tells us how dark, deep darkness and gross darkness, which is some of the passages tell us. But the light of the gospel will shine. Why? Because the light of the gospel shines, and I want you to look at your neighbor, so the light shines through his kingdom. Read the teachings of Jesus. He always lines up light and the kingdom together. He doesn't line it up to an individual because he says, I am the light of the world. Didn't he say that? But when he passed the kingdom, he called it a kingdom of light. Paul and the Colossians called it a kingdom of light. We are a part of that kingdom of light. Why do we have light? Because Jesus lives in us. Together, we shine. I like Philippians chapter 3 where it says that we shine as lights in the universe as we hold forth the word of life. One of my favorite passages. This is why, did you know that that passage there inspired me to teach word-based teachings all the time? Someone called me a teacher, which was an honor. And... heavy jacket to put on because I don't want to be wrong. Because I always considered myself an exhorter. And he said, no, you are our resident teacher. Because everything you say while you preach, you preach and teach. And I thought, never heard that before, ever. And, it, and, and coming from the source that it came from, it wasn't like it was someone from the congregation. Well, although, you know what, it's cool someone from the congregation says that. But this was an, uh, a peer that I respected. This is why whenever I share, I kind of give you a scripture based upon what I am saying. But the church at large in the United States, and I'm not talking about anyone here, is dry at best because we're consumed with the things. Listen, do we make decisions like this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we added unto you. Father, I'm seeking the kingdom. What do you want? Where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to live? Lord, if you tell me I can go move to Maine, I will move to Maine. If you tell me to move to Cancun, I will move to Cancun. If you ask me to move to Canada, I will move to Canada. But Lord, or Lord, I want to live in Canada. I want to live in Montana. Lord, I want to live in all of these places there's, where there's not a lot of people, I like the wilderness, I like these different things, God, move me there. Said, no, you're going to stay in San Bernardino. I'm like, what? I'm like the people, I didn't even know there was such a place as San Bernardino. We came and we moved and we, I'm, we might as well live in another state. So we grew up in L.A. County. We came out here for concerts, but I just knew the freeway, get off, Orange Show, wow, Tower Power and War. Right on, man. Okay, then we drive home. I was like 16, 17. But other than that, we didn't. And God moved us back to California to establish a new ministry and a new land. And for the first time in many years, we've been in the same place almost 20 years. God has caused us to stay. Whenever we wanted to move, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't to be. God kept us. And I'm bringing this out so that we understand that we are in a different season. We're not in the same seasons where 
God winks at our inconsistencies. God is drawing a line in the sand and saying, man, the days are dark. You better be children of light. We're going to lose you because we're in a season where the darkness is darker and the light is brighter. We're at a time now where the, where the devil and God are saying, choose sides. And when you give your life to the Lord, it is truly, I love the way that, 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 um, that Pastor Cobre used to, because his son is now uh, giving most of the message. Pastor Cobre would line it up and say, no, if you're up here giving your life to Jesus, it's all of your heart. All of your life belongs to him. It's no more, this is my decision. It's his decision. He's calling you. And he makes us so adamant that this is what you're doing. Not joining a club. You're dying to self and giving yourself to Jesus Christ. You know what we forget to tell people? That we need a Savior. You read the Old Testament, you know what it was all about? The law was a taskmaster. The law showed you that you couldn't do it on your own. The law showed it that you would have, you know, 60 years of prosperity, but then you'd mess up. And then you live in a messed up condition. Watch, I'm going to tell you something. The saddest scripture that we have in, in the Bible, let me give it to you now. We're in the book of, we, we began to read. I'm going to go back to Titus after, but let's go to Judges 2, verse 7. And we're going to start there, but I'm going to give you this because I need to know, you need to know where we're at today. Manny, do you have that song right now? Put it up. Those of you that know it, just sing it. It's a prayer. So we need a fire of God in you. against the enemy of our faith. 
that we would only question you to go deeper with you rather than question you to prove you out of our existence. Jesus, enter into this place now. Fill us as we begin this series in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. God is good. You got to know that. God is good. We serve a good God. Judges 2, verse 7. The people served the Lord during the entire lifetime of Joshua as well as the lifetimes of all the elders who outlived Joshua and observed all the great deeds the Lord had done for Israel. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime, and as long as the elderly men that outlived him remained alive, these men had witness of all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 10, the entire generation passed away. A new generation grew up that had not personally experienced the Lord's presence or seen what he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil before the Lord by worshiping the Baals. Now the Baals, I want you to understand what they are. It's not just one God. It becomes a God of preference. Some of them had a Baal of comfort. Some had a Baal of prosperity. Some had a Baal that was to answer prayers. Some had a Baal that was atheistic in nature, so they would not worship anyone, but it, atheistic natures are a religion unto themselves. They had a Baal for everything. They had agnostic. I, you know, I love when people say, well, I'm agnostic. I'm a Gnostic. Well, you know what? You are by choice because there's always people to give you a reason to believe. Amen? Amen? Because how many have ever met people say, I'm a Gnostic, I'm an agnostic. And you know what it is? That's a, that's, a load of, that's a load of stuff. Because I have approached many, and what happens is they don't want to believe. You can show proof after proof after proof. They'd rather believe a magician than they would someone who would tell them the truth of Jesus Christ. NASA scientists have gone all the way around the world coming up to the top where the theologians live just to show that there is a God. And they agree. But they don't say it might be Jesus, but they say that now we call this, how many have ever heard of the term intelligent creation? That someone created it. You don't know who, but they know it didn't start with a big bang. That's why it's called a theory of evolution. Because there's no proof. While the scriptures have infallible proofs to prove that it exists, from the prophecies that were fulfilled that brought Jesus to the prophecies that are being fulfilled even today. So people who do not believe, believe because they approve of ignorance in their time. And so here's what happened, though. What was it? Well, let me finish reading. They abandoned the Lord God of their ancestors. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods, the gods of the nations who lived around them. They worshipped them and made the Lord angry. Now that word there, angry. We always picture it because we try to bring God down to our level. So we picture someone who says, Ah! I'm at you! No. See, this is how, because, you know, when we get angry, it's always towards. Well, <laughs> watch. How many have ever seen something that just gets you angry? So it doesn't, it's not existed in anyone else. 
and you just go, ah, and you just look to the air and say, ah, and you're angry, but not at a person. How many of you have ever done that? This is what God had done because the people had let down the, 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 the how many of you have ever had a plan and for whatever, oh, everybody, we're going to go to Disneyland this Saturday and we're going to have a blast. All our tickets are paid for, but you better go because it's this Saturday only. It's such a storm and it's hail, and Disneyland says, we're closed. What would you do? Ah, you can't blame Disneyland. So people say, I'm mother, I hate Mother Nature, whatever. You know what? And, and you're angry at the situation. That's what the Lord was angry about. And here's something that really we don't understand about Scripture. We read it because King James people couldn't understand because they bring God down to their level, and we say, the Lord's anger was kindled against them, and he threw lightning bolts down and killed them all. That's how people read the Bible. How many of you have ever seen people who build houses on a mountainside and it rains like crazy for 40 years and nothing happens and then one day it just rains three or four inches and the mountain, the mountain comes down and all the mud comes into the person's house. Now, I am not equating God's judgment to natural events, but I'm going to show you what happened. God said, if you do all these things, this will happen, Right? He said, this is what's going to happen if you stay away from me. Well, that's what happens when people build a house behind a mountain. and say, well, this mountain been here forever, and this mountain, you know, maybe sometimes the mountain even protected them from what went on. One day, it just rained a little too much, and the mountain came down. Now, I guess what they're saying, God, look what you did to me. And the insurance companies call it act of God. When the Lord's anger is kindled, he is upset because of what is going to come upon the people. Now, did he say it way back when? Back with Adam? And we're going to talk about Adam for a minute here. Way back to Adam, didn't he say, because you've done this, sin entered the world. Through how many men did sin enter the world? One. How many know that salvation came through how many men? One. How many King Davids were there? How many Moseses were there? How many Joshuas were there? How about Caleb? How many did it take? Well, I'm going to show you a pattern here. How many, did, how many men did it take to train a new generation to come into the promised land? Two, Joshua and Caleb. And that became a pattern for the New Testament church, but that's a whole other teaching. But just, just bear with me. I want, to, I want you to see something, that this is the saddest scripture around, that because that generation of elderly people did not pass on, did not pass on what that generation needed. How many know? Listen, I love church history. And I'm not one of these people who say, well, Oral Roberts was a shyster and a conniver. Oral Roberts was a man of God. Listen, listen, listen. How do you know? Did you study him? No. I went to a meeting of his. When I was little, my aunts and then they dragged me to every meeting that, and, and I got to see things and had anointings and things. I've seen healings in that place. And they say, well, what about Catherine Coleman? I saw healings in that place. How about Benny Hinn? I've seen people that come in disfigured and come in fixed. What about, you know, when Pam and I grew up in a miracle ministry? 
And we saw people in the YMCA meeting with about as many people as there are in here today get healed. Anne was healed in there in one of those meetings, and she was able to conceive, and David came about. But the point I want to make, that's David, the point I want to make is that why everyone look at yourself and say you're important. Tell yourself you're important. Say it. Can I tell you something? Did you know that if Moses would have looked at God and said, you know what, these people are crazy. You know what? God is good. Beer is great. People are crazy. I'm out of here. You deal with them. Guess what? He might have died somewhere where no one would have known. Did you know that God buried Moses? But Moses and the people did not enter the promised land. He was a pastor who had over 2 million people in his congregation, and only two got born again and entered the promised land. How about Abraham? One guy. What if God would have said, see that place called there? I am moving to you. Outline it all to me. Abraham would not be anybody's father. One man. Oh, we also have one guy named Cain. You know what Cain did? He wanted to do his own thing. He said, look, I'm going to give you a chance. Sin crouches at your door. If you turn around and say, hey, let me change my thinking, you can say Cain went like this to God. He was gone. Because, see, many of us <laughs> walk away from God doing this. So I might be back, but there was no return. One man. He became a hunter of men. You know what he did? He took him away from God and began to build his own clan. What was there? We don't know. There, was, there were living beings out there. We look at Enoch, who's a picture of us, who got a chance to talk to God. And he got so close to God that he was not for God took him. What was happening there? He entered into a place where God would talk to him, and he would talk to God. Why? Because Adam told him, hey, man, we used to talk to God. God still talks to us. Did you know that God still... People who say that God doesn't talk to sinful man, forgot all about the Garden of Eden when he threw him out, he sowed fig leaves, fig leaves, and he goes, what are you doing? I was afraid. God made, him, God made them animal skins. He got to talking. God created a way so that they would understand him because it was no longer like it was in the Garden of Eden. I want you to catch all of this so that you understand one thing, is that every one of you is so important that you not being at the right place at the right time can cost someone else their... See, we don't like that responsibility. You can cost someone else their salvation because you're not there. Pastor, how can that be? How about the scriptures where it talks about, he's talking about nations, but he says, hey, your blood would be required. I understand that that's a heavy indictment. And he was even talking, these pastors, not, not even pastors, is laying it out in the Old Testament. These prophets were speaking. And you know what they used to do to the prophets? I don't like what you're hearing. Watch how many of you have ever been little kids and you don't want, you don't want people to understand what you're saying? And people, la, 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 and, and you don't want to hear it. How many of you have ever done that? Yeah, how many of you have ever seen people do that? I don't want to hear, oh, you know. You do, they would do that to the prophets as they spoke in groups. And then they would stone them. 
What I'm talking to you about today is not popular. God is building an army and every single person is necessary. You know what they call it when someone doesn't show up for roll call in the morning in the army? Yeah, absent without leave. How many believers out there are absent without leave? You know you have people sitting in the church that are absent without leave? Thinking about, hope he finishes. I want to go to Danny's clothing club. I don't like his message. I don't suppose it's at all. He's not quoting him. But the culture, watch this. Culture changed from God's own people being in instead of his people being the ones to influence. How much culture has influenced the church today? Can I, let's just talk about, let's just be plain spoken here right now. Can, we, can I do that right now? Oh, you were a Pam said. Watch this. Joshua and Caleb survived the cut when God removed the whole generation from the invitation to cross into the land. Two men survived the cut. Are you going to survive the cut in this season? Are you going to be there? Because see, God is requiring our presence. Joshua and Caleb survived the cut. What did they do? They did not allow the culture of fear to influence the decision because everybody else was, was fearful. The other 10 spies said, hell no. Pardon my friend. I ain't going in. You guys can go. And then God said, fine. Your carcasses are going to lay all over the desert. They said, oh, no, wait, let's change our minds. And they went up into the mountains after the season. It Guess what happened when they get up? The Amorites, Hittites, Jezebites, all of the Gorgabites, the Gorgazites, they don't, they're all dead. You recognize that from the 80s, huh? I'm not going to miss. God is about to unleash. You know, some of us know, how many in this room know that you're called to something big, but you don't know what it is? Do you know that the call on this ministry is to raise up leaders? Why leaders? There's a whole mess of followers out there. We're short of leaders. Can I tell you what we're short of? Joshua's and Caleb's. Because Joshua's and Caleb's are saying, we're entering our golden years. I was talking to my aunt. She told me, one well, of my aunts. And I said, well, there's a lot for you to do now. Well, I said, you're in your golden years. You had have time. Well, let me tell you something, David. Our golden years aren't so, they're, they're golden years, but we're not living golden. And they've been chilling at their house. I said, there's a lot for you to do. God needs you. Oh, yeah, you know, well, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. So that's like a little bit. But they know. They got born again at an Oral Roberts meeting. Could you imagine? But anyway, we are to influence this world instead of the world influencing us. You know what that means? I was talking again last week about going against the flow of the river, but Thank you. 
guy's name. He writes for all the markets. Anyway, this guy shows you stuff. Plan to be having a church in North Korea? That's for you. Used to read some of the, the martyrs where they used to throw the babies out the window, have steamrollers, crush them up. And people, you know what happened with the church there? It would multiply. But it multiplies. People and right, wanting to know what's going to happen, but they're starting to prosper from walking to a bike. A donkey, a horse, and people are saying, That's not prosperity. Yes, it is. From eating rice, to eating meat, having tea to drink, or they didn't, God is prospering the, 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 the persecuted church. What are they doing? They survived the cut, and God is blessing them, and they're multiplying, and they're becoming bigger in numbers than the government. And they realize that the government was realizing they can't stop them. So they're starting to approve of their meetings so that they can control the flow of the meetings. But what they're still doing is saying, let's meet. And the Holy Ghost will tell you. And they meet where the Holy Ghost says to meet. What if I ever said that? The only person to make it to church on Sunday be, no, I'm playing. Some of you that hear God and Raymond. Raymond will show up. Some of you don't know, Raymond, in the natural, is a little slow. They say that he's got like the capacity of what they said about a nine year old Pam or Manny? Oh, a 12 to 14 year old. Now, imagine that. Peter says, I'll find you. I'll find you, Pastor. <laughs> and, and there he comes. He'll be sweating up a storm. And, he's, and, I, and I said, Anybody call Raymond? Oh, we forgot. There he is, Miles. You know, you're mad. Who didn't pick me up? Now he's there. Well, I took seven buses just to get here. How many take one bus to get here? Right, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But watch. But it said, none of the men that came up from Egypt, Egypt 20 years and upward. None of them. And he said, I was 40 years old when Moses, servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea. Now, there was something he said. Nevertheless, brothers. He goes, watch this. Nevertheless, my brothers, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I follow the Lord, my God, fully. What kind, of, what kind of dedication does it take for you? to? How do you have to follow God in order to make the cut? I'm going to say it again. Say fully. Now watch this. Being alive in these times is one of the greatest honors, but it's also one of the greatest responsibilities and the most difficult tasks. Accomplishing our task begins with understanding the times and knowing our place in them. Though the whole world is seeking into increasing quagmire of the mystery Babylon, Babylon means confusion. These who follow the king have, an, have increasing light and clarity for navigating through these times. There will be a growing distinction between those who walk in the light and those that don't. Those who do not walk in the light will be increasingly confused, and those, watch this, who do will become clear and confident. The greater the darkness, the more the light will stand out. Everyone say that's a dumb moment. Duh, huh? Didn't he increase the dark? 
How many of you ever been in the darkest room possible? You light, a, you light a match, and it's like putting a spotlight on. How many of you ever been, you know, we used to, we, we, times past, we went to Blue Water, and we're coming down Highway 40, and we stop at this one corner because everybody has to use the restroom, and, and then people disappear into the darkness to go to, to use the restroom. And it's dark. I mean, when you go out there, it's dark. The only thing out there is stars that you can see, clusters and clusters of stars up there. You can, there's no light. And if you turn off your phones, because people use their phones to see where they're, you know, where they're leaving their mark. And if you turn off your phone, you don't know what's out there. It is. It's pitch black. It's kind of like you want eyes like um, Riddick. Anyway. Anyway, you know, I guess I watch movies. So anyway, just got to just be able to see. And what happens is it's like, Nothing. But one little phone, you, you see a, you just see this aura of light around the people. Well, this is what it's going to be in days like this. But those who choose and don't choose correctly, they'll be confused. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. I don't, and you know what that's a sign of is Babylon, which means confusion. In other words, like the Tower of Babel. I want to choose my own God, but I'm going to stay close to you, God. I believe that you exist. But I'm going to try to stay close, so I'm going to build a mountain. I'm going to do it my way. I mean, you know, the Bible says that there was great sin. What is it, Genesis 6-5, Miss Esther? That evil came upon the whole world and said, but Noah. Because everybody wanted to make God in their own image. And then after the flood, they, were, they said, we're going to do it again. We're going to try to get close to God, our way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man. But what does it say about the end? Destruction. The Bible said, what does it say? The, the, what the devil comes before to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life to the extreme, to the abundant. Why is it that Jesus' words are so hard to believe? Because I don't want Jesus to be the way. I don't want Jesus to be the truth. I don't want Jesus to be the life. Isn't that what the world cries out? You know why? Because this is what they had to know in Joshua's time. That's why it's a sad thing. Because all they had to know was what he did to them. You had to get the fuck out of your house. And your mom said, I don't know what we're going to do today. And he opened the door and was like, I want to stand and draw my Yeah, fire 
took us out of Egypt. Did you know that we, the Egyptians, all died? The, the firstborn died. And we took all of the gold of Egypt. God opened the doors, and all of us are healed. Not a feeble one. Remember, Grandpa couldn't even have to walk, drag him across on a stretcher. Do you remember, Grandpa, we had to drag him? He walked out of there, too, with all of his donkeys and all his stuff, right? Now, imagine. Oh, I thought I had it here. Okay. Ooh, his Bluetooth was off. Okay, I'm sorry. And so what happened was he, we did all of this stuff, and they got to begin to talk to him about the miracles and how God showed up. Then Joshua went into the promised land and he took down the seven nations greater than they were. And Caleb, the oldest guy, was able to swing a sword like he was 20 years old and he was 80-something years old. Imagine that. He, well, wait, wait. He could swing it then. By the time he went to begin his land, it was 13 years later, and he took down the, the Amalekites, which were giants. Imagine your 93-year-old grandpa swinging a sword like Conan the Barbarian. Imagine that. Took them all out, the giants, and brought his family to live there. Picking grapes as big as grapefruits. But by the time it got to him, by the time all the old guys died, the new generation didn't know why, because they stopped talking about it, they stopped acting on it. Can I tell you something? I'm going to get, get ready to end it here, but you know what? Pam and I and Miss Esther... And David's been a part of that. David froze for 45 minutes on one foot. And it wasn't because he was so good. It's just God called him. Remember Ed Dufresne? Trippy man. He was a man's man. Ed Dufresne. And he, just, and he sat there like that. Just, and he kept walking by him. He goes, God's doing something. And keep ministering to people. We'd have four-hour services. God just showed up. You, you wanted to go to church because you want to see what else was going to happen. You sure it wasn't the devil? I don't know, but we were saying, Jesus, you're so good. So, I mean, we, we were praising Satan. And we walked in more holiness, and we feared God more because we were saying, man, this is, sometimes you don't want to step in without being, they felt like it was holy ground. What, and these, this was a midweek service that David got frozen in. And it wasn't like, Oh, we have to take our kids because they don't get up. No, we kept our kids in that atmosphere of revival. Did they go to school kind of tired? Yeah, but they knew they'd been with God. Then it was just revival time, man. We just didn't know what God was going to do. But guess what? I want these girls to know that. I want, no, I, want, I want Judah to know that. You know what? I want these two young men to know that. They haven't tasted that. They got to see it. I want Manny to taste it. You know, I want Miguel to taste it. I'm sure it's an easier to kind of clean that. No. But, with, but what happens is, I want, you know what? I want our young people to know what we knew. Miss Esther, we, this is why the Joshua's and Caleb's have to come and to remind, you know, we teach. You know why we don't teach on sin anymore? Because we passed that up. It's like, don't go back and teach the elementary things again. No, no. You know what these two and these young people need to know? You can't do it on your own, man. You're sinners. That's why Jesus came. He came to show you that you can't do it on your own and you need a Savior. But the first generation, second generation believers, if you go, well, I'm saved. I asked, I asked Jesus to come into my life when I was four years old. Jesus, come into my life. You know what? I don't know if it's stuck. 
I was a youth pastor. We had altar calls all the time because it had to stick one time because it's called, you know, we understand that in, theolo- in theological circles, it's called saving faith. Because, you know what? I said the prayer a whole bunch of times when I was running from God. I was in fourth grade. I was nine years old. I said, oh, these holy rollers. Because they were coming out of Angela's temple. And they would come and give me the thing. You want to pray the prayer? The only way I can get rid of them was to pray the prayer. Jesus come into my life. I believe they do this. Blah, 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 and I repent of my sins. Blah, blah, blah. Good. I take the paper. And then I they see that they're gone. Threw it away. It's just like being in Vegas when everybody's handing you flyers and you just throw them away. Then one day it hit. And I started going to Sunday school because there was a hunger. If you don't have a hunger inside of you for, for more of God, check yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because if you don't have a hunger, check yourself. Because you don't want hell to be your next address. Now, I'm not lying. You know that there's, there's, there's three real moments you give your life to Jesus as a child, as a teen, and when you're an adult. Those are the three major moments. Why? Because during your teen years, you ought to be burning your life for Jesus Christ. If you're not, something's wrong. Can I tell you something? Jesus is the most important person in your life. Talk to him. If you can't hear from God, could be you're dead. I say it could be. Because either there's two things. Either you don't want to hear from God, or you're dead. Spiritually dead. Sir. I think this, while not with me, I know for sure that this message is from the Holy Spirit because I, when we were talking earlier, I know I was mentioning to, you know, when Miguel and I had a conversation and he said, you know, there's sometimes when you explain things that I hear it from you that I've never heard any other way, but it makes so much sense and just clicks. And then I was telling my father, I said, you know, when a lot of my friends and different people ask me questions, I'm quick to pray in the Spirit because I know I have a lot of knowledge regarding, um, I guess, biblical Christianity lifestyle, but it's nothing if it's not led by the Holy Spirit. Right, exactly. So I, I, I in turn, want to be as Paul, and says I forget everything and purpose to know nothing except Jesus' love. And I've been hearing this, this teaching lately from Chip Brim over and over, and I've been playing it over and over, almost like the girls are almost memorizing it, but it's... It, he, he speaks about blessing people and that it's, it takes practice. And then that's when he started bringing up the scripture where it says, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, I really started getting to me the abundance, the, the overflow, the more than enough. It has to be put into there perfectly. I used to think, man, what's in my heart? I'm abundantly not having this. I love this. This is what my mouth is saying all the time. And I got to completely guarded and like man it's it's overflowing with the opposite. And it really hit home when he said that uh you know when you hit a point where you practice blessing people and when you're persecuted and the moment that you're justified in being angry and wanting to go the other direction, those are the moments that you 
purpose to bless that person over and over until you don't say a bad thing about anybody at all. Amen. And then I had a conversation with my mother, just telling her what I've been hearing and what I've been reading after, and she was telling me how Kenneth Copeland will absolutely, everyone that knows him does not speak bad about anybody. And mom, who was the guy's name? What was his name again? James James Robinson used to speak about uh, Kenneth Copeland, and Kenneth Copeland felt in his heart to bless him and put a bunch of money into his ministry. And, Ten grand. And how much was it? Ten grand. Ten grand. And he said he felt humbled, and now his ministry is thriving, and he repented, and he uh, now they're they're good they're good friends. And someone else was speaking about Kenneth Copeland. And James said, well, Brother Stone, so I forget who his name is, clearly has Brother Copeland on his mind and on his heart. So let's all together right now bless Kevin Copeland because he, he's on his mind. So and he goes, now, I forget the other guy he's talking about. He didn't want to bless him. He wanted to talk bad about him. But James knows how, how the importance of blessing somebody that's being persecuted at the time. Because, and I didn't know in the message, Mom, from the behind the scenes that it was, he, he knows from experience. So, this all ties into what we're talking about tonight because if we purpose in our heart blessings, it takes that one time like it did with Billy Brim where she let God's love fill her in the car on the way to the grocery store to be a blessing to her husband when she felt justified in dumping the bull chili on him when he said, look, why are you making chili when, oh, yeah. when I, could have, I want to practice with this? And now, can you, can you imagine a potato pillar housewife took the kids in the Woody Station wagon to each game as a spiritual advisor of prime ministers all over the world? Yes. And she's the one. She's the modern day Moses, Abraham, King David. And that happens with so many of them, but a purpose in their heart. It started with out of the abundance of love put into their heart that overflows now, now God can even use them. Amen. So it starts with those things. And I was I started piecing all this together because I I was telling you guys, I said, you know, it has to be that's something God because I don't talk like that. I don't speak like that. It's it's not that's not how I am. You know me and outside of that I'm not Loving the other kind of person all the time, you know, I'm really not. But that has to come from God. And he shared a link with me that really hit home because he was saying how in English we have the one word for love. Yes. But the Greek have four. Four. And it's one of God's love, the love for your spouse and family, or for your spouse and then the love for your family and, and friends, and um, the love of God. The love of God. Well, that's the that's the, that's the, the, the gate of love. But only in the in, institution of marriage are all four required. Yes. And that's very similar to our our new covenant of God, where all four are implemented. So if we are Christians to be Christ-like, that's what's to be implemented in the abundance of, and it starts with blessings, mm-hmm. because then it it almost it transitions into pure love at that point. Yep. When we're, we're persecuted. Right. 
so I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. It's kind of it's all pieces are kind of falling into place right now, like thinking about everything and what what we're seeing. Well, our own faith won't work without love. Our own faith, this is faith without love. What does it do? Faith worketh by love. It works. It's the mechanics behind love, uh, behind our faith working. Why? Because our faith is always God's word first. His word is preeminent. See, this is why I'm a big one about learning what the word says. Because you just, well, I just pray and I don't read the word. You have no faith. You're not going to get prayers answered that way. You've got to know what his promises. You know that the biggest privilege that God gave us, gave us is to live by the promises of God. And through those promises, it says in Peter, we participate in the divine nature. Why? Because what Jesus said, what did he say? It's the Father within me that does the work. I do only what he says, and I speak only what he tells me to speak. When you speak his word, results. Because it's his word that speaks to our hearts. Then it would, you know, have you read something in the word and just catch it on fire? Just, you know, it's not more than, sometimes we get the word and we know it, but then sometimes it just, God breathes on it. And it's, and it's yours. It's alive. You never forget. It's, yeah, it's, his word is living and active. And, and you know what? It's the word that's a discerner of the heart. It can split asunder. It knows the difference between the soul and the spirit. We don't. We, sometimes I like how people say, well, my spirit is this. No, that's your soul. See, God is active in us right now. And see, the reason I had to cover this, this is in the scripture, rise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For look, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Now watch what it says. Nations will come to your light. That's the ethnicities and kings before your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They gather together and come to you. How many are coming to you? Because that's what's going to happen. We're here to influence. They come to you. Watch this. And your sons will come from far away, and your daughters will be carried on the hip. And you will look and be radiant. Your heart will swell with joy because of the abundance of the seas will be diverted to you, and riches of the nations will come to you. Now, watch this. It has something that you begin to be God's agent. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about what you're going to drive. What happened in the New Testament? All the blessings were spread out until there was no more poverty in the area. Imagine that, Acts chapter 4. And you know what the Greek says is that it was a continual cycle that the people, because you know what? People who get rich have an anointing to do that. That's why people say, I'm going to be a millionaire. We can't even keep $20. You know what I mean? Well, and, and there's people like that. That's fine. It's always going to be people because there's going to be, there's going to be CEOs, there's going to be supervisors, there's going to be managers, there's going to be employees, there's going to be, there's always this because everybody is anointed to do Something. Everybody's got a gift. According to their ability. That's what the Bible teaches. Guess what the person who is lazy and says, you know what, I think I'll sit this one out. You know what he called them? You wicked, stupid, lazy servant. I'm thinking, good Lord. He's pretty rough. You know, I just kept my, the gift hidden in my heart. I really didn't want to do anything. He goes, go into everlasting darkness. Good gravy. I don't want to go into everlasting Darkness. How many here ever wanted just to take a break? Like, you know, God, this stuff is too much. Anybody ever get in the flesh? Say, God, this is just crazy, man. You know what? I'm out of here for a little bit. How many ever gone on a sin binge? Not like you go back to drinking, all, you know, drinking, dancing, and smoking, or whatever, you know, whatever they call the big three. But whatever. How many ever just took your foot off the accelerator pedal for a minute and just kind of coasted? Anybody ever do that? 
you know, some people do, some people don't. I've been at this for many, many years, so sometimes I just kind of coast it. But you know, every time I coast, just because of my responsibility, there's always someone comes up and starts wanting ministry. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being lazy and uh, forgive me, you know. And I, and I had to ask God, you know what, there's some word in here, use it, because I haven't even picked up the Bible in about a week, you know, Lord. And the Lord does. And you know what, he doesn't have to tell me. He, he doesn't have to tell me I messed up. How many know that Cam messed up on the Super Bowl? Nobody had to tell him, man, he lost the game. How many know that he threw himself on the ground and kicked his feet up in the air like a baby? How many know that he knew that they lost the game? You know, when you mess up, say, oh, God's thrashing me. He doesn't thrash you. You already know that you messed up, right? You, you know, God doesn't have to tell him, well, look what you did. You know, you just, and you know what you do? You take yourself to the woodshed, but you say, God, thank you for your mercy. Start getting in the word, change your thinking, and move on. But sometimes our hearts are dry. Our prayers are cold, right? But we ought, I like the song. We all know how we ought to be. Alive to you and dead to me. What can be done with an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. Can I tell you, some of us that have a lot of miles, sometimes we get into, we know how, you know what, we put it on cruise control and there's no more demand on the pedal. That's when we get dry hearts. You understand? There's really nothing wrong with you because you're still getting the word, but there's no demand placed on the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We always got to take it to the furthest moment. Even if it's just, you know that baby steps I tell people, you know how to repent? I don't care if you have to walk like this. Some people might walk like this, but don't be feeling guilty if you just walk like this. You're still moving forward. You know, this is what we need. So in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I pray that the word that was ministered today begin to take us into another level, knowing that we're in a season where God is wanting more of us because we know it on the inside because we're not dead. Father, I call forth the Joshua's and Caleb's. Hey, can I tell you something? Don't be, don't be disrespectful for the people that have been there before you when they try to talk to you about how to live, how to, how to act. And I'm not talking about how to live about micromanaging your life, but they tell you, man, you need to get in the Word a little more. You need to understand this a little more. You go, who does this? Can you know what the, when young people, what they say? Who are these people? How many, I know when I, Pam and I thought we were 20. We can say together we grew up because we were 20 when we got married. I'll tell you what, at the time, we were living it and knew we, we knew we didn't know everything, but we, know we, need, we knew enough to get through. But we find out now that we're in our 50s, we're going like, dude, we knew nothing. We, we were lucky we got out of there with us. You know, how, isn't it true? We talk about some of the things we did to get out there in ministry, and we're like, we're living on the edge. We slowed down a little bit with David, but not really, because David went to every revival there ever was. Wherever we went, he went. You know why? Because if I couldn't leave my wallet with someone, I wasn't about to leave our kid. And we had that consciousness where we didn't leave our children with anybody at the time because not everybody was saved and thought like we did. And it's true. But I'll tell you what, nothing stopped us. But I'll tell you something. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a Joshua and a Caleb to teach them how they defeated the Amalekites and the Jesuits. How'd you get to this place? You know, don't go over there anymore because you're going to hit a tree. You know, the worst thing in the world is she tells me, you're crazy, and then hits the tree. <laughs> so, Father, I pray for Joshua's and Caleb's to come alongside us. Lord, Lord, bring someone who's 90 to teach me. 
Bring someone who's 75 to teach me, Lord. I need you and I need mentors, Lord. So, Father, I pray that just bring him in, Father. Bring in these young people, Father, so that we can train up leaders for this next, in this next generation, Father, and teach us to take the ceiling to the highest level, Lord, so that this next generation, if you don't come, will stand on a higher ground than we ever saw, Lord. Father, we need full-time people in this place, a full-time heart for ministry. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father. Pam, you have something else? Larissa, you have anything else before we go? Amen. See how close you were to what we're saying? You and David both were hitting it. Julianne, you have anything? Manuel? something when listen when Jonah what was the story of Jonah and the whale God wanted to reach people so bad you know that there was not another Jonah that could reach them amen it had to be Jonah it had to be Jonah did you know that you are Jonah to your group that God wants to reach he wanted to reach them so bad that when he tried to run, he ended up in the belly of a whale. And, and guess what? Okay, I repent. He put him back on the shore of what? He didn't put him back on the shore of his house. He put him on the shore of Nineveh. Okay, get going. See, you're the, you know, you are, you are the people for this generation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm going to ask a question. If you haven't been where you're supposed to be, in other words, if you're not where you need to be so that God can use you now. And God spoke to you either through the song or through the message. All I want you to do right now is put a hand up. Because, amen. All right. So, Father, see these hands, they're antennas. Reach them. Reach them. Speak to them and fully fill them. Fill them fully, Father, with your presence, with your will, with the strength and everything they need, Father, to accomplish what you call them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you something? You don't have to be perfect to do it because Jonah was running. And in three days, he was back in ministry. <laughs> he was back in ministry on the shore telling everybody. And the whole city repented. It takes one man, one person to be obedient to God. Amen? You know, God is good. How many know that there should have been about 16 people and 16 other people in here to hear this message? A whole bunch of people should have been here. But that's all right. Hopefully they're on talk to you. Rick was on talk to you. He's telling me. He said Keith Green was awesome. So, Father, we pray for Keith, uh, for, not for Rick. We pray for his mom. We pray for all concerned, Father, that healing visit the family 
in Jesus' name. And Rick, you rise up and be strong in Jesus' name. And Father, thank you for ministering to them in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm talking to, he's the only one who talks back to me on there, and I get to see what he's doing. Pam does, too, when, she's at, when she doesn't come. And we have the envelopes being waved back there. I'm getting ready to release you. Uh, let's prepare to receive this evening's tithes and offering. The Bible teaches that if you've been taught, that you give to the value of what you've been taught. And Wednesdays or midweek services that way, that, you know, whatever God is talking to you about, you, this is Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And so, yeah, I'm, used to, I'm not used to meeting... It's like one day, and then boom, Tuesday. But anyway, uh, we're here, and uh, Manny and I were ready to go work out today and realized that it was Tuesday today. And so, um, so anyway, if you need an envelope, pass an envelope out, girls. We got usherettes showing up right now. That's my granddaughter who got a new heart from God. Amen. Yes, we will. I'm going to do this right afterwards. And also... Um, David Tomberlin is going to be in town in Redlands. So those of you that can make it to Redlands, it's revival time. This is a smaller church. It was a smaller church on High Street. But anyway, he's going to be there Friday and Saturday. And like I said, it's the people say, I don't believe in healing. Well, here comes healing running. She couldn't run without her lips getting blue. God gave her a new heart and healed her. And so God is good. Anyway, um, Well, what it is, I'm going to have them put this one away. Oh, you can put Andre on the envelope, and I, I, I'll sort them. Denea. Yeah, I knew you would look at me after I said that. Denea, come to Miss Esther. She's got, she needs an envelope for Prophet Andre. Yes, do a quick write-up on it, and we'll, bring a, get a little, we'll get a little bulletin board and put it on about Prophet Andre's ministry. And we'll keep it in one of the drawers in the back, or we'll put it away back here. Okay? That we pull out fishes and loaves. For fishes and loaves, did I say fishes and loaves or say Andre? Okay, fishes and loaves. If you're able to do Prophet Andre, then do his too. <laughs> we'll make one for fishes and loaves. And, 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 for, and for maybe you can delegate Prophet Andres, but yeah, we, gotta, we just got to have it in front of us. I'm in fishes and loaves, but yeah, do a write-up. If you want to, just pull a picture of Prophet Andre, and it's a Prophet Andre, you know, Talon Ministries, and then we'll just keep it up there. So, you want to be in a revival at it? Uh, can I tell you something? When you're in an atmosphere of miracles and revival, it sticks. All of us. Part of the human nature is that it sticks. And what happens is sometimes, you know, when you've been at a certain, it's human nature. It's human nature. You know what? I'm a, da- I'm a parent, grandparent, and great-grandparent, Pam and I both. And you know what's funny is that our kids, we hear all these glowing praise reports. Your kids are so good. They helped out everywhere. They're so good. What are they going to do? We can't even get them to throw out the trash at the house. Well, and when kids visit us, their parents tell me the same thing. What? What'd you do? Nothing. Just ask them. You asked them one time and they did all this? Yes. And it's not, not just YouTube, but everyone, you know. And, and what happens, they know how to put on their best behavior. All right. Hold these. You can hold the bucket up right quick or the, the bag. H-A-R-D-E-N. Yes. Oh, wait, wait for Miss Esther. 
go, 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 go. Stand right there next to Ms. Esther. The goal is to end this by 9, and so we're right about there. We're just waiting for Ms. Esther to write that, you know, trying to fill it out. Or else, you know, I'm, pl- I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> Hey, good stuff today. Hi. That's happening because your grandpa was my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. I want to play that video that I showed um, David so you guys can listen to it. Okay. Listen to the words and listen to uh, uh, Reverend. I don't remember his name. Uh, if I can play it. Sure. Should we play it? You know what? Let's bless the offering. We'll do it because if, there'll be no difference whether we stay and listen to it now. Or, okay. <laughs> All right. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, as we thank you for those that have given. Lord, your word said that you that your eyes are on those that give and release. Father, for what we release never leaves our life. Father, we pray for the blessing to be upon those that have given. The blessing is the empowerment to do with that which pours into our life. So, Father, I pray for the wisdom for the reign of the Spirit, Father, for financial gain, whatever this offering went to, Father, I pray that it continues to minister to the lives of those that have given. So, Father, we honor you, we praise you, and we worship you in this in Jesus' name. Amen. Make sure that Manny gets this right now. All right, go ahead and put it on. Yeah, a little bit. It's how you respond to non believers. So these Christians have been hateful to people who support lifestyles and are putting the precepts of our faith. I think it's a very important question. I know a lot today. I just want to personally, I continue that that question doesn't work for me. I don't even think about it. In fact, we as a team, our entire team, like the whole place, my good friends, and was in a seniority, we were not actually just on the of the team. And so, and how do we deal with this very trying social issue of our time? And even though the word is not used, you have the ideas, you know, the, on the sexual lifestyle and all that has come about in our time, how do we as Christians deal with it? So, do you have to go to take extended months on this, you know? Let me give you about three panels of answer. The first panel is the logical problem. The second panel is what I call the theological problem. And the third panel is what I would call the relational problem, how you communicate it. So let me take, first of all, the sociological issue here. What is the problem now? We talk about tolerance. So I was at one of the prestigious universities on the mental microphone and asked this question. And I said to the person, I said, I would be glad to answer your question if you would first.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.